Welcome to the Tournament of Everything, a competition show where we pit things against other things to figure out which of those things we like the best. That's right. And we do so by putting all of those things in a room with an enormous circle of infinite chairs. One by one, we play music and then stop it, removing a chair. When we're out of chairs and only have one item left, that item will move on to the next round. Do you ever play one of those really aggressive versions of musical chairs when you were a kid? Like, the goal wasn't to get the chair. The goal is to take the chair from somebody else. You ever do that? Yeah, I like to just, like, if you tackled them off the chair, they were never really on the chair was my kind of philosophy. But kind of the image of literally everything else, everything, you know, playing musical chairs against everything else, (laughs) you'd have some interesting (laughs) interactions. I know it's literally everything, but in my brain, it's like mostly Russian philosophers and animals. I don't know why. That's just like the picture for me. Well, if history teaches anything, it'll be mostly moths and football players. But we don't know until we know, do we? So let's get right in to round one. Round one. In round one, we have Shalva Gabagada. Gadabadze? Yeah, we go with that. Shalva Gadabadze against Senecius. That is a really good start, Rob. Uh, we've got two interesting characters, uh, two individuals. Uh, who? We have a Greek bishop, Senecius, and a Roman wrestler. Oh, a Greco-Roman wrestler. So, Let's see which one of these old classic competitors will prevail. I'm just going to call him Shalva so I don't butcher his last name again. He's an amateur. He's from Azerbaijan. I can't say that one either. Uh, he, The Greco-Roman is the style of wrestling he competes in, the men's light heavyweight category. He won two bronze medals at the 2009 European Wrestling Championships and at the 2011 European Wrestling Championship in Germany. He would ultimately go on at the 2012 Summer Olympics in London, uh, having switched to a heavier class, competing in the men's 96-kilogram category, uh, received a bye for the second preliminary round before losing to Russian Russia's Rustam Totrov. Uh, I believe he's pretty good. Uh, he was able to score a few points, but uh, ultimately, he would be defeated again in the next round by Sweden's wrestler. Hmm. Now, Synesius, Greek bishop of Ptolemy in ancient Libya, part of western Panopolis of Crinacia, uh, was born of wealthy parents and born somewhere between 370 and 375. We're not exactly sure. Mm-hmm. He became an enthusiastic Neoplatonist and a disciple of Hypatia. Now, Neoplatonism, as Rob, you know very well, uh, it's a philosophical and religious system beginning with the works of Platonius in uh, 245 AD. Now, he stayed three years in Constantinople, which is 
now called Istanbul. You can talk to a band about why they changed the name. But his stay there was wearisome and otherwise disagreeable. The leisure it forced upon him devoted in part to literary composition. That's a great way to describe something. It was (laughs) wearisome and otherwise disagreeable. I'm going to leave that on Yelp reviews now going forward. Yeah, uh, and we'd have to read some of his books to see if we uh, think that his style kept through into his work, but uh, some of his works did include uh, a speech before the Emperor Archidaeus, uh, something called Constitutio. Uh, he wrote two homilies and an, a- and an essay on making an astrolab. Now, looking at the way this article is written, this is one of the more fun-to-read articles I've seen. It's just got kind of interesting turns of phrase in it. Mm-hmm which I really mm-hmm. enjoy. The following years were busy for him. Okay, that's a, that's a great way to put it. I liked his tenure of the bishopric was troubled not only by domestic bereavements, but also by the Libyan invasions of the country. Yeah, I, you know what? I think if it were to be a wrestling match between Shalva and Senecius here, Shalva clearly wins, clearly wins, unless Senecius is somehow Russian or Swedish which he's not. But I think just for the way it's written, I got to move him on. Yes. Um, you know, thinking about it, Shalva Gababdez, uh, sorry, was a very good wrestler in the Greco-Roman style, and he's going up against a Greek bishop. Uh, so I got to think he probably knew a th- thing or two about the mat so yeah i concur and i think we're both going to be moving synesius on to the next round of the ultimate plus it's just way easier to say <laughs> it's a little bit easier to say um you know go for the gold and uh maybe we'll talk round two Round two. It's time for round two. In round two, we have the April 2014 Nyanya, N-Y-A-N-Y-A, that's another tough one, Nyanya bombing against Lothar Jacobi. Hmm. Okay. Uh, We have another Olympian going up against a terrible event. Uh, let's see which one is going to strike our fancy in this round of the ultimate tournament of everything. Now, the April 2014 Nyanya bombing, uh, two bombs exploded at a crowded bus station, killing at least 88 people and injuring at least 200. Boko Haram claimed responsibility for the bombing six days after it occurred. Uh, don't 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 be this don't be like people like this don't do this there's a lot of things i feel like we have to tell people don't do don't be a nazi don't own people don't be a terrorist that's on the list don't hide explosives inside vehicles detonated during morning rush hour in a bus station in nianya in the outskirts of abuja mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. that's a tragedy yeah yeah it's no good um, here's the quote from Nigerian President Goodluck Jonathan, who visited the scene of the blast. He said, we have lost quite a number. 
we condole with our countrymen and women. The issue of Boko Haram is quite an ugly history within this period of our own development. Government is doing everything to make sure that we move our country forward, but these are the unnecessary distractions that are pushing us backward. But we will get over it. Yikes. Yikes. Yeah. Okay, let's, uh, let's with a, a lot of remorse, change gears here and look at Lothar Jacobi, German sports shooter, competed in the 25-meter rapid-fire pistol event in the 1964 Summer Olympics, where he placed 13th. Uh-huh. So, let's see. The 25-meter rapid-fire pistol, uh, it's a shooting event shot with a 22. Um, it's been part of the Olympic program uh, since its beginning in 1896, uh, though the rules changed greatly before World War II. And apparently, though, they use a 22-short cartridge... Uh, no, they restricted events to sport pistols. They banned short cartridge, they banned encircling grips, and they banned low trigger weight. And this caused a decline in results. Now, that's an oh. interesting one because the Olympics are really about getting to the, the pinnacle of human ability, right? And so if everyone's using the same gear, I guess I don't have a problem with them getting too good. It's like those uh, those swimsuits that they were using. They're like, no, you can't use those. They make you too fast. Isn't that the, kind of the whole point? No, because if if getting to the peak of human ability was the point, then they'd be all about steroids, and, you know, PEDs. They would just be like, "Go for it! You can you can jump higher, you can run faster, but it's not good for it. It's not good for the sport." And apparently, Lothar Jacoby, while very good at the sport, was not the best at the sport either. Um, you know, given the two, uh, I think still the the one that's got the got the power to, to you know to be remembered, to be owned its place in history. Clearly, to me, is the April twenty fourteen Nyanya bombing. Yeah, it, it's obviously a tragedy. It's obviously a terrible thing that happened. But if we're talking about impact on the world and um, calling for change and that type of thing, it definitely is going to be more lasting than our friend over on the other side. And I don't even remember his name because I'm already moving on to the next round of... You know what that next round is, Rob? Three. Three. It's time for round three. In round three, we have Congener. Uh, in the alcoholic beverage industry, Congeners are substances produced during fermentation. Okay. And Wise, better known as a hip-hop record. He's a hip-hop record producer. Wise the Human Mix Machine is his full stage name. Excellent. You know, the last round was a little bit of a downer, but I think both of these uh, competitors in this round are here to lighten our spirits a little bit. They're going to give us something to dance to, and they're going to give us the will to do so as well. So let's find out. Are we going to get too much congener, or can we just not give up the beat? So congeners are substances produced in small amounts that are 
not the desired type in the fermentation process. So we're talking things like methanol, acetone, esters, tannins. They're responsible for most of the taste and aroma of distilled alcoholic beverages and contribute to the taste of non-distilled drinks as well. But they also contribute to symptoms of a hangover. And if you actually hover over hangover here in this Wikipedia article, we don't get a picture of a hangover. We get a painting of a hangover. <laughs> That's right. Somebody painted somebody hungover, and it is now up on Wikipedia for everyone to see in the hangover article. So great great job there. Extra points for the art. Um, you know, there's some evidence that, as you said, it induces more severe hangovers, but the effect is not well studied. Um, you know, this is kind of, it's something that gives, the, gives it the flavors, you know, gives it, kind of that ugh that you get, but uh, it's not exactly the best part of, of a drink. No, no, probably not. What would these drinks be like without them? Can we remove these? So brandy, rum, and red wine have the highest amount of these, and vodka and beer have the least. So you can remove a lot of them, it sounds like, but maybe not all of them. Hmm. Well, what you can't, once you've had it in you, get fully removed, is the music of Wise, better known, as you said, by, or uh, lesser known by his real name, Leonardo Roman, um, record producer, member of hip-hop group Stetsasonic, um, and common, which is commonly hailed as hip-hop's first live band. Well, that's pretty fun. He was born in Puerto Rico moved to the Bronx, where his parents resided with his two older brothers. And at the age of four, they moved to Brooklyn. All right. And I assume that's where he met Daddy-O and MC Delight, because they were the founding members of the group Stetsasonic, uh, then known as Stetsasonic 3MCs. Uh, he joined the group in 1983, and uh, the group had another level of creativity and talent, with the presence of the Prince of Sound himself. What many didn't know was that he was the very first Latino human beatbox to hit the hip-hop scene. And now very. everybody knows. Okay. He's on a bunch of singles, performed with a bunch of individuals, human beatboxing. So fun. It seems he got involved in some, uh, you know, politically... Uh, charged music you know trying to get get out some messages uh protest song decrying black on black violence uh other things i see interspersed here but uh he also participated in a few commercials uh, including a campbell's soup and a uh commercial ah yes a campbell's soup commercial that was aired amongst saturday morning cartoons these days, they're presently working on a new album scheduled for release this year. In the album, he is more vocal and less percussionist as his skills have grown greatly. Oh, my goodness. We, we're going to have to check that out. Yeah. yeah. Big discography. Lots of credits. Mm-hmm. Mm -hmm. Looks like he's been in a lot of things. And that body of work right there. I think that is enough to move him on. While we can't have these beverages without Congener, if I'm even pronouncing that correctly, what we can't have again is somebody as good as Wise the Human Mix Machine. And so I don't think we can downplay that by not moving him on. 
Right, you want to throw down your your vote for Wise? I do. The ultimate Hmm. I'm feeling a little bit torn. Can you give me one more fact about Conjuner that makes it less appealing than Wise? It gives you a hangover. That's all you need to know. If you didn't have hey, that, that's yep. Hey, if I could get rid of a hangover, I'll feel as good as if I had just heard the forthcoming album from Wise, the Human Beatbox, and that's why he's moving on to the next round of the Ultimate Oh yeah. Well, now we know where hangovers come from, and I gotta say. I really want that painting to be in every bar in America. I think that'd be lovely. Get a print of that and put it up. Well, I'd like a jukebox full of Wise's music in every uh, bar in America. But you can't have everything. But what you can have is round four. Ah, my round four is ready. In round four, we actually have two relative unknowns facing off against each other for the first time. We have Fiona Bergen against Zaliab Kudasht. Okay, fantastic. Uh, Again, we have an individual versus a location. Now, this type of match has become common in this competition, uh, but the outcome is always unpredictable. Let's surprise ourselves once more in this round. Yeah, people versus towns is really a theme we have pretty frequently. And here we have, like I said, two relative unknowns. We have Fiona Bergen, an Irish film and television producer. That's the whole Wikipedia. That's all we know. Against Zaliab Kudasht, which is a village in the rural district in, I'm looking for a country, Iran. There we go. Population of 405, 84 families. All we know. You know, I think the only... It's true. It's true. And that's, you know, it's a downfall. It's unfortunate. But I still want to be fair. So I think that we should throw in our very first ever proactive tiebreaker. I think that's a great idea. It's a coin flip. So tiebreakers here in this show, we like to settle our differences by going to the local local fishing hole, throwing in a couple of lines, and whichever one of us pulls out the smallest fish will have the honor of moving on their choice to the next round of the ultimate tournament of ever. It's really the old-fashioned way to settle things, and I think that's how they do it in Canada as well. But, unfortunately, I'm not Canadian. And last I checked, I don't think you are either. So instead, we're going to do things the American way. We're going to leave them up to chance. We're going to pick a number between 1 and 1,000, and then I will have a button here that will pick a random number. Whoever is closest is the winner. So, now, Mike, in- would you like to represent Fiona, or would you like to represent our village in Iran? Um, you know what, Team Fiona. Okay. So Rob will be uh, representing Zaliab Kudasht, 
And I will be representing Fiona Bergen with my number of, is there anything here to give me a number? There's not. I'm going to go with the number 490. I'm going to go with 405 for the population of Zaliab. And our number is 248. Okay, Zaliab Kudash. Wish we could have gotten to know you a little bit better, but hey, despite that, you're moving on to the next round of... They did a great job. They did yeah. really, really well. And we'd like to give Fiona a uh, participation ribbon, but we don't have those. So why don't we just go ahead and tally forth to the very next round of the ultimate tournament of everything. In round five, we have Donald O. Wright against the Industrial Airplane Show. Okay, both very exciting sounding competitors. Uh, Donald O. Wright, a politician, and the Industrial Airplane Show, uh, probably also a lot of people had opinions about. Let's see which one was more favorably regarded in this round. Donald O. Wright was a United States Republican politician from the state of Minnesota, and the O in his middle name actually stands for OR, and he is the senior. He served in the state legislature and rose to the office of President Pro Temp of the Minnesota State Senate. Cool. Okay. Yes, in 1953, uh, when Archer Nelson resigned as lieutenant governor, he assumed that office and held it for the remainder of one term, serving with Governor C. Elmer Anderson. Of course, we all know C. Elmer Anderson. Yeah, he was an American politician who served as the 28th governor of Minnesota. Everyone knows that. Wow, look at that face. Yeah. Dude does not look happy to be the 28th governor of Minnesota. Sorry, buddy. Donald Wright was married to Verna A. Wood. And he died at the age of 92 in 1885. Fantastic. Mm -hmm. All right. You know um, what never really dies is the thrill that someone gets at seeing an air show. Planes flying overhead, death-defying stunts. And I'm not sure if that's exactly what took place at the Industrial Airplane Show. Um, but it may have had some, uh, some, you know, some people that would have been interested in such an event. Yeah, apparently it was an industrial show of exhibited full-size airplanes opened on New Year's Eve 1910 as part of the 11th U.S. International Auto Show. I got to love that. We had cars in America for, what, maybe 13 years? And they're like, no, no. We need an auto show after the second year we've had cars. <laughs> Sure. What other cards are we looking at? Why not? Full-size airplanes included machines from the Wright brothers, Lovelace Thompson, uh, a whole bunch of others. Um, they discussed safety, you know, airplane safety issues, um, tragic airplane deaths of a few famous individuals. Um, 
Yeah, exhibition booths, interesting displays and demonstrations of early wireless communication technology. Now, it looks like this isn't something that happens anymore. It looks like it was just that one time. Just to get people really excited, I'd imagine. I mean, it was new. It was it was happening. It was people were flying in the air for the first time ever. Now, I see here Charles W. Chappelle, a member of the United States Aeronautical Reserve, exhibited a full-size airplane, which won him a medal for being the only African-American to invent and display an airplane. Huh. Wow. You know, the thing that gets me, though, is that these people were all excited about having their own airplanes, and cars had just been invented. And it couldn't have been long after that people decided, you know what, I'd kind of like a flying car. And we still don't have those. We do not. We also don't have no. robot butlers. Roombas don't count. And, uh, no. I, you know, I think about the flying car thing, and while I would love it, I hate how people can't drive now in two dimensions. I don't want to give them a third one. Oh, but if I could get out of your way by going up or under, I mean, that would make it twice as easy. Yeah, you wouldn't get out of my way. You'd probably just get in my way from above. Yeah, but I'd have a big old flying truck, and you'd never, you know, I'd, I'd be coming for you. Yeah, that's the problem. That's what I'm afraid about. Do you think Donald O. Wright is related to the Wright brothers? Well, I think that it is possible. It is certainly possible. Is it plausible? I don't know. Um, but Donald O. Wright... I think you're wrong for this competition. And after hearing about it, I think it just sounds like a nanny. So I think I'm going to lay down my vote for the Industrial Airplane Show to move on to the next round of... The Ultimate What do you think? No argument from me. I think airplanes are more interesting than politicians from Minnesota. Me too. A little jumpy there on the button. That's okay. We forgive you. Let's hear it one more time for the airplane show. And now it won't work. Well, now we'll just go to round six. <laughs> round six. There you have it. There is your winner. Round six. In round six, we have number one Croydon against the 1964 PGA Tour. Okay, two events that stand tall in the history books. Uh, this is honestly the competition of the night that I was looking forward to most. We're going to have stars. We're going to have a fireworks. And I just can't wait to see who comes out on top. Number one, Croydon, formerly the NLA Tower, and colloquially the 50P building, the Wedding Cake, or the Three Penny Bit building, is a tall building in Greater London. It's designed by Richard Seifert and Partners and was completed in 1970. 24 stories, 269 feet tall. Um, formerly the NLA Tower. NLA stood for Noble Loudness Annuities. Uh, L-O-W-N-D-E-S. Uh, one of the many new buildings constructed in the growing town of Croydon in the 1960s. 
Looks like a refurbishment program was completed in early 2007, included a six-month exterior cleaning project, new lobby, landscaping, and common areas, and refurbishment of the top 10 floors to provide air-conditioned office space. Very cool. Uh, it was even used as part of an establishing shot in Croydon uh, in the opening credits of 1980s British sitcom Terry and June. It also appeared in the Black Mirror interactive film Bandersnatch as housing the offices of fictional game software developer Tuckersoft. There was a campaign supported by the 20th Century Society to get it listed as a historic place, but it was turned down in 2013. Hmm. You know what you can't ever really turn down? It's a good golf tournament, especially with such stars as Jack Nicholas um, and others. You <laughs> uh, know, no other golfers, just him. Jack Nicholas, Arnold Palmer, Billy Casper, Tommy Lima, Bobby Nichols. Those were some of the uh, the main prize winners. That uh, do they have seasons in golf, or is it just like a continuous? They don't play in the snow, so I guess so, but they're also playing in January, so maybe they just play all the time. I don't know how golf works. I don't have the patience to watch it. Well, apparently we didn't have the patience to read this article even a little bit, because in the second sentence, even in the first, it says that the 1964 PGA Tour is itself a season played from January to November, uh, consisted of 44 official money events. So in this, it's not really about points. It's all about the cash you hear that kids read <laughs> just literally take a moment to read and you'll answer most of the questions you ever have just read a minute yeah but if we left you just silent while we were reading this for a minute that would be pretty awkward mm -hmm. uh what also must have been pretty awkward is uh some of these events i see there were Tournament of Champions events, uh, winners only. You know, if you hadn't been successful yet, you couldn't make it. Uh, there were pro-ams where they did get to mingle with the future competitors. Um, but uh, all the classics that we've come to know and be familiar with. Yeah, I didn't know they had so many places they played golf. California, Arizona, Louisiana, Florida, North Carolina, Georgia, Texas, Nevada, Oklahoma, Indiana, New York, Michigan, Maryland, Ohio, Scotland. There's one in Scotland. Okay. There we go. One in Scotland. One in Canada. One by an Australian. Good for him. Good for Kel Nagel. Great job, Kel Nagel. And even one in Minnesota. Oh, Illinois. They really get around. Um, but you know what stays put is the number one Croydon. Uh, it's been there uh, in the same place since it was built, literally. Uh, but something that has changed and is quite interesting about it is its name. As you said, uh, number one Croydon, formerly the NLA Tower, colloquially now the 50P building. Um, it's got others, including the wedding cake, uh, but the 50p building uh, refers to now uh, 50p coins uh, because it's approximate to the old three penny 
uh, coin that they used to have. And so it was named uh, the 3-Bit Building uh, because it resembled a number of 3-pence coins stacked on top of each other. So even though it's changed its name many times, uh, it stayed exactly where it is. Uh, I believe this 1964 PGA Tour was only a stepping stone to the 1965 PGA Tour, and who can imagine what else? So I'm going to have to go with my number one, and that's number one, Croydon, to go on to the next round of... The Ultimate I absolutely need to agree. It's already called number one, and it's not golf. That's enough for me. Mm-hmm. Yep, I got there eventually. So, number one, Croydon, you're number one in our hearts. Moving on to the next round of... The Ultimate Oh, yeah. It's a cool-looking building. I'd live there. I'd live there, especially yep. one of the top ten floors. Yeah, those top ten floors are literally in the list of top ten floors from that building. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Yep, right up mm-hmm. at the top every day. Yep. You know what's right near the top? Seven. Seven. Round seven. In round seven, we have Aiden Smagulov against George Tapscott. A person versus a person. This doesn't happen all that often. Nope. And it also doesn't happen that two individuals get such awesome and pronounceable names. So let's dig into these two individuals with relatively short articles and see what we can divine from the impression they've left upon this planet. Aiden Smagulov is a... Kyrgyz and Kazakh Judaka. He won the Mm -hmm. Kazakhstan Championship in 1996 and went on to win a bronze medal in the 2000 Summer Olympics in the men's extra lightweight category together with Cuba's Menelo Pulat. He's the first Olympic medalist to represent Kyrgyzstan in the nation's history. Kyrgyzstan. Kyrgyzstan. There we go. I'm sorry, Kyrgyzstan. It's Kyrgyzstan. So we do have some more information. Uh, judoka, it, it's, uh, it's someone who, who does judo. Uh, and judo is a system of unarmed combat. Uh, Kazaka is a Turkish ethnic group, mainly inhabit the northern parts of Central Asia, chiefly Kazakhstan. And uh, you also mentioned he's a Kyrgyz, Kyrgyz. Um, which is officially of the Kyrgyz Republic, a mountainous landlocked country in Central Asia. Now his opponent, George Lancelot Dusty Tapscott, was a South African cricketer who played in one test in 1913. His brother Lionel also played test cricket for South Africa, and his sister Billy was a tennis player, reached the quarterfinals of the French Championships. And Wimbledon, what an athletic family, and what a great Real middle name. His real middle name is Lancelot. And they said, whoa, whoa, don't let it go to your head. Your nickname is Dusty. (laughs) Yeah, that's a phenomenal name. If this was a tournament of names, he'd be (laughs) high in the running. Um, But my impression from what you've just laid out for us is that uh, he tried out for a team and didn't make it. And his brother did the same, but his sister was pretty awesome. 
Yeah, well, I love the middle name and the nickname. I think Aiden is just the all-around better competitor, and I think if these two were go to go toe-to-toe, which they are, Aiden wins. The first Olympic medalist to represent Kyrgyzstan in the nation's history. Not even close. It's not even close. I'm sorry, George Lancelot, Dusty Tapscott. It's not close. All right. Uh, well, then, Aiden Smagalov, uh, you were born and trained in Kazakhstan. You Kazakh can move on to the next round of <laughs> the Ultimate <laughs> Yeah, just a uh, a quick knockout there. Yeah, yeah. Didn't even go one round. Although he was a a fighter, so. What are you going to do? You got a fighter against someone who played cricket, but I don't think you're allowed to bring that bat into like a fight. No, it's unarmed combat. That'd be cheating. Yeah. No. Round eight. I say, would you by chance have any round eight? So every once in a while, we play a game called. Guess what this thing is? So for those of us uninitiated with the show, we are looking at these randomly off Wikipedia. We do not plan any of these. We do not have any information about them ahead of time. We literally read them as we read them aloud to you. So we are learning in that moment. And so Mike on the other end here doesn't know what I'm looking at, and I'm going to read it to him and give him some options of what it is, and we're going to see how close he can get. And I will at least narrow it down to categories today. So... Mathis LaBelle. Mm-hmm. He's French. You need to guess the sport he plays. Okay, I'm ready. Does he play football, the kicky kind? Does he play cricket? Is he a rugby player? Or does he golf? Mathis LaBelle. I feel like he'd have to be pretty good at rugby. Um... I feel like it doesn't sound like a soccer player. I don't think cricket. So I'm smelling a golfer. You you were so close if you had just stopped after the first five words you said. He's a rugby player. <laughs> I can circle it and come on right down to the drain. You were yep. on the trail and then you ruined it. Mathis LaBelle, born March 25th, 1999 is a French rugby player who plays wing for Toulouse and the France national team. Now, he is up against, in this round, Pondicherry Rana Garage, an Indian cricketer who played two first-class matches for Hyderabad. Well, two first-class matches is more than that uh, George Tapscott got. So let's see if he's a more worthy competitor and perhaps can take down Matthew. Mathis level in this round of the ultimate tournament of everything. I don't think he can. I don't think he's got it in him. Right? I I think Pondicherry, all we know about him is literally what I just read. That's it. That's all Wikipedia is. Well, okay, his age. He's 54. He was born in Bangalore, India. Now that's it. That's all we know. And Mathis LaBelle at least has some honors. They won a team cup. He was in the top 14. They won another cup uh, with the France national team. He's definitely got a more impressive resume, but 
if they were to go one-on-one in a sport, I guess it depends which sport we're playing. Okay. Cricket, rugby. Cricket, rugby. I think the only fair thing to do would be to have them both play both games. That being said, I think that a rugby player would probably damage a cricket player. Yeah, it really depends on which one they played first. Yeah. (laughs) Yeah. Uh, So I think just, you know, when it comes down to, sometimes it comes down to two bodies just smashing into one another and one person being able to stand up when the other can't. And I feel like when Mathis LaBelle gets knocked down, he gets back up again. And you're never going to keep him down. And that's why he's my choice to move on to the next round. Well, Chumba Wumba, Mike, you might be right. (laughs) (laughs) I'm going to move Mathis LaBelle on only because they list his weight three different ways. 84 kilograms, 13 stones, and 185 pounds. And once you start measuring somebody in rocks, you know you got to go with that guy in a competition. Awesome. You know, I weigh somewhere in the general vicinity of 185 pounds, so it's good to know approximately how many stones I weigh. Uh, Matthias LaBelle, you teach us something every day, and you're going to be moving on to the next round of... The We're to that time. We're to the final round. Do you feel it? Oh, I feel it. In round nine, we have Johnny Mac Brown against the Sentimental Teaser. Now, Johnny Mac Brown has at times been known as the Sentimental Teaser, so let's see which one of two lives up to their moniker. (laughs) John Brown. Also known as Johnny Mac Brown, was an American college football player and film actor billed as Johnny Mac Brown at the height of his screen career. He was born September 1st, 1904, passed away November 14th, 1974. He acted and starred mainly in westerns. Mm-hmm. Uh, born in Alabama, raised in Alabama, and eventually earned a football scholarship to the University of Alabama. Uh, after he finished college, Sold insurance, later coached freshman running backs at the University of Alabama. Um, And then he went to film, starting at the top. So I don't think that's the film. I think they're just talking about how he was really good. And then Steep Decline is not another film. That's in the wake of his extremely serious career downturn. So he was really great. And then he became less great and less great and less great and became a B-movie cowboy. But that's got to be really fun to be a B movie cowboy. Yeah, I mean, that's going to be more fun. That I mean, I haven't been any type of cowboy, so sure, why not? Let's see here. While he was that B movie cowboy, um, he starred in titles such as "Son of Roaring Dan," "Raiders of San Joaquin." Uh, the Lone Star Trail, um, and then he would even star in a 1933 mascot picture serial, 
fighting with Kit Carson. He was inducted into the Hollywood Walk of Fame in 1960. He received a posthumous Golden Boot Award in 2004 for his contributions to the Western genre, and he was inducted into the Alabama Sports Hall of Fame. His hometown holds an annual Johnny Mac Brown Western Festival because, and I'm quoting a city official here, if anyone ever brought attention to Dothan, it was Johnny Mac Brown. Wow. And then if you scroll down to his filmography, it's a pretty big list. Yeah, he's in a lot, a lot of movies. But if you want to talk about a movie in particular, I think we should jump on over to the sentimental teaser. Now, this is a 1999 Chilean film directed by Christian Galeas. Uh, the protagonist is a DJ named Rumpy, and his listeners call into the radio show to tell their stories. It even had a sequel in 2007 titled Radio Corazon. Mm-hmm. That means radio of the heart. It's 87 minutes long. It's in Spanish. I'm trying to figure out why the DJ was named Rumpy, and I, I don't understand it. It looks like it won an award. The poster here is showing me something, but that something is still in Spanish, so I'm not exactly sure, but it looks like an award. I'm going to go with it's an award. Sure. Yeah, definitely some sort of nominations at the very least. He seems, this movie seems to be about a uh, Chilean Frasier, if you will. Um, you know, someone who's there. He's listening. And he serves as an outlet for the stories of uh, lonely, heartbroken individuals who scatter his... Uh, general listening area to the delight of all of his um, sponsors. But you know who did things all over the place to the delight of everyone, especially Alabama people? Was it Johnny I mean, Mac Brown? It was Johnny Mac the Mac Brown. And that's why I think I'll be choosing him as my selection in this final round of today's episode of it's really hard to keep a cowboy down, and I think Johnny Mac is really, really pulling above his weight here. He may have had a career decline, but he is moving on up here. I agree with you. That's Can't hold Johnny Mac Brown down. Giddy on up to the next round of... The Well, that is it. We are to the end of our nine rounds. We have compared 18 things to figure out which of the nine move on to the next round. When will that next round be? I don't know. There's a lot of Wikipedia out there still. Yes. Tune in next week for all of the high-flying, spark-igniting action that takes place exclusively and in no other place but here on the Ultimate Tournament of Everything. The ultimate tournament of everything.